everyone, and welcome to Talking Tolkien. And if you are observing it, I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas Eve, or perhaps Christmas Day. I don't know when you're listening to us. So today we are discussing Chapter 9 of The Fellowship of the Ring, Book 2, The Great River. All right, so we're going to catch up with the adventures of our favorite Ho-Ho Hobbit and his fellowship. That was terrible. Ho-Ho Hobbit. Ho-Ho Hobbit. I don't know about all that. All right, Katie, you want to take us away with Today in Middle-Earth? So, as you said, Today in Middle-Earth, today is December 24th. Uh, So, in our current adventure, what is happening is uh, the Fellowship are preparing to leave Rivendell. They will leave tomorrow at dusk, Uh, so on Christmas Day. They did? They left on Christmas Day? Yeah. How'd they figure that one out? That's just interesting. (laughs) Huh. No idea. There's actually it's a song about it. I saw the fellowship leaving on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. Oh, is that how that song goes? Yes. Yeah. That's the canonical version. All right. So, Chase, do you want to take it away then with what happened last week in the text? Oh, okay. It's for some reason I was like about to say the Galadriel's mirror part. No. Okay. <laughs> so the fellowship has set off from what's the name of that? Elven stronghold again that's in the middle of the forest. Karis Galadon. Karis Galadon. I know I messed that up again. Uh, and they went off on boats. And then after a while, uh, Gladriel and Kelebor, right? Kelleborn. Kelleborn mm-hmm. showed up on a swan boat uh, and gave everybody, like, Gladriel gave everybody these certain gifts that were specific to them. Uh, Boromir and Merry and Pippa got belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aragorn got a sheath. Mm-hmm. Gimli got three strands of hair. That was weird. And Gimli, not me, not Gimli. Legolas got a bow. Sam got dirt. <laughs> and Frodo got the light of. Oh, what's the name of the star again? Elendil. Close. Arendelle. 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 <laughs> and that was kind of like the high points like everything after that was just mostly us talking about Silmarillion lore and how Feanor asked for the hair <laughs> of Gladriel and never got it and that's, that's Gla- Gimli got three that's just a bit of uh, intertextuality that I love so so much and then they got on their way in boats Fellowship of the Ring boat edition <laughs> no more walking that's for losers now it's boats <laughs> Soon they'll upgrade the horse. <laughs> All right. And with that, we will be right back with you. Hi, and thanks for listening to Talking Tolkien. You've probably heard me talk about my show as we like it before, but I just wanted to say that we have a new episode up focusing on the 1993 version of Much Ado About Nothing, starring Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson. If you'd like to listen, you can find it on our website, theextracurricular.com, as well as by searching As We Like It in iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks, and back to Talking Tolkien. <laughs> All right, so here we are, uh, chapter nine of book two of Fellowship of the Ring, The Great River. So we have been on the river now, and Frodo wakes up. They had uh, decided to rest overnight. Frodo wakes up on the West Bank, and we're, we're preparing to start yet another day on the river. No, not in Palestine. <laughs> Just on the west bank of the river. Very different. The Great River. Very different We're place. talking about different places. <laughs> um, so at this time, pretty much 
uh, you'll, you'll notice that everyone is kind of not really eager to go too far or to, to, to get going very far. Uh, but at the same time, Aragorn is uh, doesn't want them to waste too much time because, remember, the enemy won't have wasted much time. So we, we do need to get a move on. And they so they continue down the river, and after about three days, they uh, come to what's called the Brownlands, which is situated between southern Mirkwood and the hills of Eminwheel. And do you remember how the land was described in that area? Not particularly. That's why I'm bringing up a map. <laughs> well, basically... It was like like basically dark hills through which no light really travels. Yeah. And also the land is kind of very barren. So... Well, the line is, What pestilence or war or evil deed of the enemy had so blasted all that region, even Aragorn could not tell. Right. So, thanks, Sauron. <laughs> Again, we see kind of the effects of... Uh, what's happening in in Middle Earth right now? Uh, that lands are basically becoming barren. Yeah, they're just go. becoming barren. That, that so it's just it's just lack of life is just it's just yeah, seeping out. Things things don't grow. Things don't prosper. Is, is is this like a? I mean, like, you it's know, not like it's not, is 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 Sauron changing the weather, or is he like actively? It, is is it like like? I might be overthinking this, but yeah, it's you're just o- like, you're you're overthinking it. it. Okay, basically, okay. what what the what the what the uh, thing is is that we think about you know growth and prosperity. Remember, Galadriel had given this you know kind of magic dirt to to Sam, Aww. right? That will make his <laughs> that will that will make you know pretty basically any ground will kind of burst into bloom if if you use it. So, mm-hmm. um, and that was a symbol of things that we don't have right now. We don't have much growth and prosperity in the world because these are such dark times and there's there's evil around and you know Sauron has his uh, his little buddies out all over the place, right? So this is kind of an, another like reiteration of that. The, there's physical damage to the world. Um, and Frodo also remarks that the land looks empty and mournful, um, which he didn't think that uh, that that the land to the south would would look this way. He was thinking, you know, it was warm and nice, like what yeah. kind of the way that yeah. we would think of that, you know, like go going south. As you're moving south, things get warmer. Yeah, things it's get warmer. Like, it's like the Caribbean of the right. of the Middle Earth. Right. Sorry, I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> but 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 uh, this is you know what they see is in stark contrast to this yeah. to this image that he had had. Which has been interesting because I've kind of noticed the. They were uh, time frame wise. This is like January, right? Mm-hmm. And they're talking about like, but, but like we're we're nearing the end of winter right now. Yeah, and I, I've noticed that. I don't know. I, I'm overthinking again. Just continue. Sorry, <laughs> this is not important. Well, anyway, so you know, Aragorn does tell him. You know, we actually haven't been that far south yet, and they're actually nearer to Rohan now. Um, however, they've it's noted that orcs have been known to to be around here so so that's that can can cause some damage right well i can tell exactly why and, yeah and they've even raided you know they've they've gone across the river and even raided some of the lands um or uh, some of the the herds at rohan Ooh. 
Well, and, and latitudinally, he says they're only actually about 60 miles south of, of the Shire. Mm-hmm. Like, there's se- several hundred miles to the east, but only actually about 60 miles south of it. Right. So they, they really aren't quite that far south yet, but yeah. So, um, also around this time, uh, they're kind of all feeling more insecure as they go southwards. And remember that, you know, there's a certain point that at which Aragorn is really no longer familiar with, with this area. Yeah, he, he knows roughly yeah. where things are going to be, but... But he, but he hasn't been this far down, down the yeah. road before, right? Uh, and, and they all are starting to feel a bit more insecure as they continue. And additionally, uh, again, we see that Boromir continues to act sort of odd. Like, he kind of mutters to himself every now and then, and he just seems off, right? He's, he's not helping. He's just not helping, in a way. <laughs> so, um, at one moment, Frodo and Sam are having this conversation. It's right after Sam wakes Frodo up. Mm-hmm. And Frodo... No, sorry, and, and Sam says... Starts, starts telling Mr. Frodo about this like weird, funny sight he saw. Oh. And Frodo was yeah. like, oh, I, I could use t- you know talk of something funny. I'm very kind of uh, like strung out right now. And Sam is like, no, 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 not funny. Ha ha, funny queer. Um, that's a line from Sling Blade, but it's actually also <laughs> approximately how it's said. In, in, uh, yeah. in for, the, yeah. says, for the most part, yes. Not, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a... A log, but the log appeared to maybe have two eyes on it and also kind of paddly feet. Yeah, because it was moving and, rather swiftly in the water. Yes. And he says, you know, I saw it and I saw the feet and then I like blinked and looked again, or I saw the eyes and I blinked and looked again and then I didn't see it. So I'm not sure if I'm, um, if I'm seeing things or if this is actually something there. And Frodo replies, well, normally I would say that, you know, you were just seeing something, but I've seen those eyes several times. Since before Morian. Yes. Um, since Moria, and I, I, my feeling is that it is Gollum and he's been following us. Right. And and so then, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about this a couple, a couple of hours later, and... No, sorry. A couple hours later, it's at nighttime, and they're like, "They they've decided not to worry anybody else with this, right? Yeah, we'll keep yes. this among you know, ourselves. Just, just, we don't want to worry anyone else that this creature Gollum, who knows an awful lot about this quest and knows exactly what it is that Frodo <laughs> has, and who we know has possibly been into contact with the enemy. And we're just we're pop- just we're, we're just not going to tell Aragorn or anybody else about this. And potentially knows what his goal is, <laughs> right. at least trajectory in some way. This this sounds like a solid plan, Frodo and Sam. We're not going <laughs> to tell anyone about this horrible thing. And so then that night they're like camping on the shores or whatever, and Frodo thinks he sees the eyes and he looks back and then he doesn't see them again, and he sees the dark log shape shooting away. Uh and then Aragorn kind of wakes up and is like, what is it? And, you know, I felt you. Oh, and Frodo like draws his sword and points it out right. at, at, at Gollum. And Aragorn wakes up and he's like, why do you have your sword out? And Fro- Frodo just answers Frodo Gollum. Says, <laughs> yes, or at least so, I guess. Yeah. And Aragorn is like, oh, so, you know, he's been following us since Moria. <laughs> so you're aware of yeah. this too. Yeah. 
So apparently everybody just knew Gollum was following them and nobody decided to like cross reference with each other because yeah. so only everyone's waking Which up. Which seems like a really poor decision. So only everyone's waking up. Boromir's like, yeah, I saw it too. And Legolas <laughs> is like, yeah, I saw it too. And Pippin and Pippin's like, I never saw anything. <laughs> that did not that happen. Did not no, that didn't happen. No, no, no. I just, it seemed funny in my brain. <laughs> but, but yeah, anyway, so basically Aragorn says he, He'll, he'll take up the watch now. And he does remark that Gollum is dangerous. And and he also makes a comment. He says, you know, like, so, you know, Gollum could murder us or, you know, also perhaps lead whatever enemy, whatever other enemy may be following us straight onto our path, too. So this is something that we need to, to, to deal with. And so Aragorn also says he's tried a few times at night to catch him, too, but he's he's slippery like a fish, right? And so he couldn't catch Sly him. Sly like a fox and slippery like a fish, which <laughs> is my favorite line from this whole section. Yes. And so then, like, they go back to bed, and the next day it was kind of, like, gray and overcast, and... uh they haven't seen Gollum since that night. And then they see like an eagle off in the distance. And Legolas is like, it's hunting, but it's really far from the mountain. And I don't know what this means. Well, they, so they also, the, they, this is like about the eighth day since they've left Lorien. And the, the country has also sort of changed by this time. It's getting hillier and rockier and they're getting closer and closer to Emin Wheel. Um, and so, yeah, they see these birds. And again, I think they're remarking on the birds. Again, the the entire goal of the fellowship is to remain as discreet as possible, right? To, to kind of lay low. Sorry. What? <laughs> Nothing. I just take your word for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. They, you know, they're, they're on the lookout for anything that could possibly see... Uh, their whereabouts again you know no no no, that's exactly true i just noticed that like constantly things are in their way that are like trying to like upheave that's like dude we're trying to stay (laughs) we're we're trying to we can't fight a balrog right now (laughs) right exactly um so they decide they'll wait until dark to continue on and so finally they get to an area that pretty much Aragorn isn't really familiar with the land anymore or, or with the river. And so they need to watch very carefully. And is this where it gets more shallow? Yeah. yeah. And also, so, so Sam is kind of taking over as watchman at the front of the boat and kind of like leaning out over it. And up they come, they, to what they hear are the rapids, right? Um, so this place, it's called Sarn Gabir. Um, it's, getting very close and this is going to be the point where yeah it's 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 rapids and it would be very dangerous to yeah so here they are well and at this point aragorn admits that they've been traveling a lot faster than he had anticipated and he really doesn't have any knowledge of this area anymore right he kind of has like conceptual knowledge of it but not firsthand knowledge right so they're trying to steer their boats away from the eastern bank when all of the sudden arrows start flying. Zip, zip, zip. One hits uh, like Frodo. One, like immediately. Yeah, one even hits Frodo like what in the middle of the back. But of course, he's wearing this wonderful Neithril. shirt of yeah, Mithril. So. Mithril. Oh, sorry, <laughs> not Mithril. <laughs> uh, and another goes through uh, Aragorn's hood. Right. 
So they can't not hang around in here yeah, at all. They've got, like, like, we got to get going. Arrow's very narrowly missing them. So their orc archers basically have taken the east side of the bank and are Yeah, so they start them. paddling very quickly kind of upstream, and even Sam helps out. Mm-hmm. Which is to say something because the entire uh, time on the boat, poor Sam is just feeling ill at ease. Yeah. <laughs> and so they kind of like, almost like, they basically take the rapids, or they at least take. Is that correct? No, not quite. No. They they basically they, they, they do the opposite. They, they they go across, go upstream. Yeah, and then they oh, yeah, have to right. scout yeah. for a path by which they can carry their boats overland around the rapids. Well, and so Legolas also they they get to the western shore, and then we have this great moment. So Legolas kind of stands and draws this new magnificent bow that he was given by Lady Galadriel, right? And I really like the description of, of you know frodo looks up at him and basically sees like like legolas silhouetted against the stars kind of and i i just love it and legolas kind of even evokes or uh, uh invokes rather like calls out to elbereth gilthoniel who if we remember is varda queen of the stars and he's looking up at the stars and then we see this shadow this great black shadow fly up over them and it's this kind of huge winged creature and it's coming towards them across the sky right and then suddenly frodo's wound from mount weathertop begins to hurt and he feels this chill fall over him and so then at this moment I, I, I just love it when bows are described this way, but it says, suddenly the great bow of Lorien sang, and so Legolas lets loose an arrow, and whatever it is, the beast is shot down. Okay. This confused the crap out of me. I have no idea what was going on. And they do try well, to talk about it later on, and they have this reference to... And then they decide not yeah. to. And then they decide not to, and they had this like reference to, it felt like the Belrog, but it was not definitely a Belrog, mm-hmm. because it was the well, g- opposite g- kind of feeling. of it. like, the shadow of it reminded felt him, like the shadow. Yeah, yeah, reminded him of Belrog, but it, but it wasn't, yeah. I, and and then Frodo is like, oh, well, it reminded me of... Oh, never mind. So I feel like the implication here is that it's a... Uh, a ring wraith on Bingo. some sort of winged beast. That's exactly exactly <laughs> what I was thinking when I was reading it, but it did not um, infer that. So that made me start thinking that this was not that. Well, because they were kind of holding back a little bit. I mean, we're not told explicitly, but uh, at this point, but yeah, uh, it's certainly not on a horse, though. Right. So then after this is when they scout for that Overland Pass and they have to carry the boats and it says that the boats were remarkably light and like not even Legolas knows what wood they were made of. Um, And, you know, it kind of discusses them going Overland and how. Oh, but actually before that, though, there was something that I wanted to touch on. Um, So it's right after they're talking about, you know, what was this thing? And then they, they have this kind of really interesting discussion about time. And the passage. Of oh time. yeah, that was weird because they, oh, they, yeah, yeah. was it because, Sam who made the, the yeah. observation the moon was off? Yeah, he's looking at the moon and saying, you know, the the moon looks off. I don't, I don't, you know, think, you know, how much how much time did we spend in Lorien, right? Two million years. <laughs> and 
so Sam and Frodo are kind of thinking, well, maybe the time passed slower in Lorien than it does, like in the re- in in the quote unquote real world or whatever. And so Legolas kind of responds, he's like, that's 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 not true. That's dumb. However, <laughs> but he does remark on, and I I really like this that he kind of points out the difference of the passage of time for elves. Uh, because you know and he says you know like the seasons changing are just ripples you know Uh, and again it's just highlighting this immense difference between these incredibly long-lived beings who have seen you know ages of of the world and then the way that uh, like you know quote mortals whatever well or experience time and it harkens back to the memory discussion that was happening last week yeah so it makes perfect sense that, uh, again, magic is always the wrong word when it comes to elves based uh-huh. upon the discussion we've had on this stuff. But you can't help but feel like the essence of the elves ha- I mean, me- puts things I've, off sync as well. I mean, part of it, I don't know if this is going to say like the magical essence of the elves, but they definitely... I mean, Sam is used to, particularly Sam is used to kind of a laborer's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And the, the the elves, all that we've been depicted of the elves is that they are very much not really laborers. They're kind of the bourgeoisie in a sense. Um, th- and like, this is not meant to be a Marxist critique of Lord <laughs> of the Rings and not sounding like a Marxist critique of Lord of the Rings. Um but just like, you know, you've, we've all had time, you know, maybe like when we were kids, um, you know, or even in college and it was summer break or whatever, where you just don't, you're not doing anything and you lose track of the days and you're like, wow, has this really been eight days that passed? And so I feel like particularly for someone like Sam, who is so used to a life that is really kind of rigid and bound by work, like, you know, that, that would seem like a different passage of time because you're really like time itself is not passing differently, but your relationship to time right. is different. the way that you're experiencing it is, is different. Um, and like in my personal experience, uh, when I lived on an archaeological site, like that's the only time I've ever really lived in the countryside where you you know see the stars, but also had such limited entertainment opportunities. You know, very poor internet connection, only a couple of books. You know, that I really started just like kind of recreationally stargaze, and you definitely become acutely aware of the passage of the moon because it affects the way you see at mm-hmm. night it affects the way you see the stars something like that so you know it's this is exactly the kind of thing that that someone in sam's position would be noticing all the time and so the fact that he was in lorian like all of a sudden not thinking about this like it, it took him out of his element yeah and like he's realizing right that. and th- you know and also remember that Basically, when they looked up at the sky in Lorien, they didn't see the moon. They all they saw were stars, right? Yeah, we talked about that weird, almost like pocket dimension stuff in a <laughs> weird way. Like it just fell off. Um, but so then Frodo kind of wonders aloud if maybe the time feels like it passes slower in Lorien because of Galadriel's ring, and you know Aragorn is quick to scold him, for mentioning that. Yeah, nobody can know. No, no, no. But but he does say, you know, basically, Sam, yeah, you're right. We lost count of the time while we were in Lorien. And, you know, a, about about a month has, has, has passed by and winter is now almost over. But I just really like that uh, little discussion of time and kind of all the different viewpoints of it. Well, and... Never mind. 
It's not important. <laughs> it's not not really that important. I was I was going to speculate about the what is a day in Middle Earth, but that feels like a waste. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> That's another discussion entirely. It's not a whole other planet. It's like the alternate <laughs> history of Earth. So I mean, yeah. it'd be yes. So then basically the only thing that happens after this is they get back on the river after the rapids, and eventually they Frodo sees these two tall towers and everyone's like oh these are the pillars of the kings and they're uh they're they're giant monumental statues of two kings who have an axe in their right hand and their left hand is held out kind of in a warning sign mm-hmm. um and they're built on on pillars like in in the river and, and these were the sentinels of Numenor right yes. so these are this is um Isildur and, and Arion and Frodo almost feels like uncomfortable passing them like when they go between them he doesn't look up he kind of covers his head he cowers down Um, yeah and and then oh what was it that frodo and sam said um well sam sam is kind of afraid right uh you know they 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 kind of don't want to look up because again these things it's it's this this great kind of again a nod to antiquity i mean the way these the these statues are described like it's it's like they're they're clearly ancient but they still have this like very powerful gaze and and and, like i don't know there's something about their brow that was described like the way the you know well and also they're holding here here it is so yeah they're holding out their arm in like a kind of a very like imposing nature yeah Mm -hmm. So here, Sam says, what a place, what a horrible place. Just let me get out of this boat and I'll never wet my toes in a puddle again, yeah. let alone a river. <laughs> and then, fear not, said a strange voice behind oh, him. Oh, I love this. Proto turned and saw Strider, and yet not Strider, for the weather-worn ranger was no longer there. In the stern sat Aragorn, son of Arathorn, proud and erect, guiding the boat with skillful strokes. His hood was cast back and his dark hair was blowing in the wind, a light in his eyes, a king returning from exile to his own land. So Solid. A- again, we have this great, you know, we've had glimmers of this before where certain, you know, like the sword being reforged and a couple of other moments, you know, where Aragorn takes on this different quality, right? Yeah. And he looks like is described here much more kingly. Um, and this is like another step towards that his you know his ultimate destiny right to to take up his place in in the house but well and also being amongst his kin yeah has got to affect yeah. him in a very yeah. deep level very deep level. and also because he says like long have i longed to to see the, the like the likenesses of Isildur and Anirion and like return to this land yeah and and the point being that these things are just, I like getting these differing reactions thing because it shows how immensely tall these things have to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the idea of seeing these very tall statues and then they have their like left hands out pointing, mm-hmm. pointing outwards, like that's got to be very imposing feeling. Yeah, and it like because I I went to New York and there was a building. Uh, John, you could probably describe the exact building I'm thinking of. That ha- There's the city group center. The c- I already know what you're yeah, you know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> that has this section that is like it almost sits on stilts. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. On well, it stilts. is on stilts, and it's like, and so you're basically under this tower that is several feet above you, 
And I was so, like, unnerved by it. But my initial reaction when I'm unnerved by something like that is, like, I got to get right under it, you know? Well, yeah, and it's it's a very awe-inspiring moment. And it's also yet another kind of moment that's connecting us to this ancient glor- glorified past, right? Because this was... I'm, this was, like... Numenor. Yeah, yeah, so this is, like, two... First age stuff. Yeah, first age stuff. So this mm-hmm. is, like, two ages ago. So, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. super long. Well, and, I mean, like... The narrator even goes into detail, like explaining how they are weathered a little bit, but at the same time, you can tell some some sort of magic has kept them intact. Right? Yeah they they still have this. I mean, I don't know what other word to describe it, but this imposing air about them, and there's still this power just inherent within this place, right? Um. Yeah, I love that. So finally, now we come, it's the 10th day since they've been on the river and they come to the Falls of Raros and this is where they need to choose definitively between East and West. And this is also the point where kind of the next part of their quest is at hand, right? This is like some beginning of the end sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, And I think it's so appropriate. (laughs) I, I think it's so appropriate that we had this uh like i mean you know that there were such a such a polar opposite kind of like you know the the little hobbits feeling like cowering at this and then we had aragorn feeling renewed yeah renewed Uh, you know coming a little bit closer to coming into his own i mean I, i hate to use this word but almost like borderline um like baptismal in a way like like being yeah well, like this, is. like he's, renewed spirit sort of aspect of it, right? He's kind of almost being reborn, right? Yeah. And then at this point, they, you know, they've they've been putting it off, and there was even more discussion about it in this chapter about are they going to Minas Tirith first, or are they going to go straight to Mordor? Mm-hmm. And this is the point now, like upon passing these statues, that they have to decide, right? Because they they can't go any for farther unless they want to plunge uh, to their death at the falls <laughs> on the river so you got to choose one yeah, side or the other. yeah there's no going forward so i mean and and so really all that we know is that bormir is going to go with them to a certain point and then he's going to go home mm-hmm. and aragorn wants to go to Minas Tirith, but he cannot and good conscience not go with frodo right. yeah like like he's if frodo to. if frodo requests him to to stay like aragorn cannot deny that yeah. request. Right. Everyone feels a a strong sense of loyalty there. Uh but at the same time there's a, you know like 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 you said there Boromir has said, you know, I'll I'll do what I will. I will not desert desert the company. Um but I am going to go home. <laughs> uh Yeah, eventually they, I they, have they, to go. Well, yeah, so also, you know, Minas Tirith ne- needs him, yeah. right? And so yeah, we we feel like a, an impending like a a moment is going to come soon. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask because I don't necessarily remember exactly how Boromir felt about Aragorn going back to Minas Tirith and being like, "I'm king, guys. He, What's up?" You he, know, 
I think Boromir feels very torn about it. At he's this not point. talked about it. Is no, the point he, I've, I've noticed. He's not been voc- very vocal, but he he's always he, he has given since the beginning. He's given the air of like, you know, yeah, you know, the leadership needs to come back uh, to Minas Tirith. But he he also I think would would like that leadership to be his own, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I, I, Boromir has always felt kind of torn, and he is you know people are often very quick to uh, kind of discredit his character. Um, I think Boromir is very proud, but also um, a loyal man at heart. Yeah. I mean, I've always assumed, I mean, the, the way I've always come across with Boromir so far is he has been a very stubborn guy yeah he's and if he's set in a way he's pretty much gonna try i mean because <laughs> i'm i'm believing he's like i'm going to miss tirith after this so <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much so with that um shall we segue into our favorites yeah so mine very easy very short very simple uh in the beginning of the chapter as they're like on the second or third day of the boat trip or whatever Sam says, or it says that Sam had decided that boats, boats were not all that bad, <laughs> and being on the river was not all that bad. But sitting in a boat was so uncomfortable, <laughs> and I liked that because that is so true. Sure, missed that walking. <laughs> like you know, everyone, not everyone, but all of us at least have gone on a couple of floating trips in a canoe, and I have coxed a. Uh, like a, a skull, like a, a boat, you know, like crew. I've like coxed a boat before. And like those things are particularly tiny and, and it's just like boats are uncomfortable. Like any boat is going to be uncomfortable because you're sitting in the same position for a long mm-hmm. time and like the hull is rounded and there's nowhere good to put your feet and your knees. Like, you know, I just loved that because it was such a, tr- a moment of It's truth. very real. I, yeah. I, it's I like, don't... it's fun for a couple of hours and, yeah. then, <laughs> and then you're done. I almost <laughs> prefer to stand in a boat. Then I, I don't get seasick or anything like that. So it's like, I would, I'd rather be standing right now than, but all the boats I've been on, I've been fairly inebriated. <laughs> while being on them so and that's the way especially to do it. when you're writing the ducks right yeah you kind of have to be to to, to kind of like remind yourself that you're in branson you're riding a boat so <laughs> that's shaped that's like going through duck. that's going down the street past uh, dolly parton's um what's it called dixie, dixie stampede, stampede dixie and stampede. that wax museum and the titanic museum so <laughs> oh that wax museum is the most depressing place on it earth is. yeah it's way overpriced too <laughs> well my favorite part uh has to be Aragorn at the Argonoth. I love that whole bit. I it's great. I I like the and and actually you know I'm gonna amend that. I I like the description of all of them like that whole thing of what the, all of the different perspectives at the Argonoth and kind of the power that that place has over them in a couple of different ways. It was the first time that they were in a situation where I felt like they all reacted differently to something very imposing mm-hmm. that wasn't like they were they it was a very different reaction than reacting to rivendell it was a very different reaction than reacting to moria it was very different mm-hmm. my favorite section yeah is that what you said mm-hmm. i didn't hear you no. what, what's, what, what, what was your favorite section of the text you. chase um it was the part where legolas starts shooting at this weird dark thing mm-hmm. and they didn't know what it was 
but they have theories. They just don't want to talk about them right now because I don't think they want to entertain some of those ideas at the moment. Yep. But I'm pretty fairly certain that it's it's a ring wraith, and specifically, it's the Witch King of Agmar. Like it's gotta be. That's what I'm thinking. I, I don't. I don't really know, but I'm just. I'm just. I'm just going on that. Okay. That's that's another mm-hmm. great bit of of description there too. I I also really liked that whole image of like Legolas silhouetted against the stars. Yeah. So pardon me the indulgence, but I have three favorite recommendations from this. Oh week. my oh, wow. god! Oh, you sound uh, well, like me. I mean, this has been a rather yeah. <laughs> this has been a rather short episode, so I feel like I can I can plot on a little bit uh one is a book i just started the neapolitan novels uh by elena ferrante so i'm in book one uh my brilliant friend and if you have not heard of these it's a series of four books that kind of i mean she says she considers them to be a single novel so uh it's a it's a buildings roman uh, about just this friendship between these two girls who grew up in italy in the kind of the 50s through to the present day so i'm only in the first book so far i'm loving it the english translation is really fantastic it's definitely worth picking up uh the second one is and this is going to be kind of shocking uh is star wars (laughs) specifically the prequels i really like so many other people this past week binged all of the star wars movies in order to watch you know episode seven with with that behind me and i forgot how much I loved the prequels as a kid because I've, you know, it's any time in the past eight years really that I've wanted to watch star Wars. I've just defaulted to four five or six. And this is the first time that I've like dedicatedly watched the prequels. in I don't know how long, and I'm not saying that they're good movies. I think that they all have a few good moments at the least, but it, it was, it was this really, it's that thing where you go back to something that you loved, just absolutely loved as a kid, and you're you're still somehow able to view it uncritically and just kind of enjoy it in that same way. And I, I just enjoyed the process of watching them again. Van Helsing. <laughs> that's that's fair, because when you showed me that movie, I couldn't get like 20 Dude, <laughs> I totally get it. It is a garbage movie, but I love that garbage movie. Yeah. And I have totally forgotten what my third one was, so never mind about that. <laughs> if you think of it again, you can uh, you can jump. I, I'll, I'll I'll interject. Mm. Mine, uh, my mine's food this week. Um, so uh, just blanket food. <laughs> just, just, just food. <laughs> Food's no. pretty cool. No, but uh, so we went out for uh, my brother's birthday dinner last night, and I had a uh, local chicken marsala. Um, that was absolutely exquisite. It had like little bits of uh apricot in it. Ooh. It yeah, it was really really Ooh. great. Um, and I if I could, I would have a plate of it right now. I too, because I can't. My girlfriend Bobby it was her birthday this past week, and so I took her to one of our favorite places up in Eureka Springs. That's an Italian restaurant, and I got a pork chop. Mm. That was like the best pork chop I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> and I never had a pork chop in an Italian restaurant, but this is also, you know, Arkansas, <laughs> not really Italian kind of Italian food. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, I really can't remember what that third thing was. Uh, and I apologize if I've been a little spacey today, but I saw Star Wars last night and ended up not getting home until like 6 a.m. <laughs> did you see, did you see so it at midnight I'm like or something? I'm crazy tired. Uh, well, it was a 1.15 showing that Damn. they didn't start until 2. Oh, wow. Wow. And then I had to walk from Kipps Bay to Penn Station. And then when I got to Penn Station, it was 19 minutes until the one train. Oh, and then it took me just ages. Yeah. I was just, so, yeah. Because uh, it was a very, very weird, weird walk because I had a very weird reaction to that movie. And I was like lonely and Manhattan at 4.30 in the morning is empty and cold. And I was just like a strange moment that, for that me just, in my life. That just like <laughs> uh, exponentially <laughs> kind of magnifies that feeling. <laughs> I mean, I saw it at 8.15 with a half-packed theater. So I haven't seen it yet, so um, no spoilers. No, I wouldn't do it. I would say that if if anything, that's my favorite thing of of the week, uh, because my expectations were in the were in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was I was excited in like the fact of being an enjoyable film. I actually didn't go back and watch anything. I've been playing Star Wars Battlefront, the new game, but that has like nothing to do with it. But I I I really liked it. I I really liked it. Um more than I expected I was going to like it. Mm. And I'm just saying it's really, I, I think it's really solid and definitely worth watching. So it's definitely my favorite thing from the year. And the only things I can talk about that I say are absolutely awesome are so spoilery that I cannot, yeah, I'm just not even going to. <laughs> no so. spoilers. I'm just saying like I really liked it. It was my favorite thing from the week because I didn't do anything else this week. <laughs> I will enough. say I texted my I texted my friend today, Han shot first, and he got furious at me because he thought it was a spoiler that friend's got like weird tr- the trust issues because that seems crazy even on like the sense of it being like because the fact that you would he would think you would spoil the movie for him is already like what is going on <laughs> i know right and but clearly he's not like a big enough nerd anyway if he did not recognize the phrase han shot first which has maybe been one of the most yeah. emblematic memes to emerge from star yeah. wars in the past decade because yeah. I, I have a friend i follow on twitter and he was he was um throwing out joking ones last night and then i've been doing this joking thing where i was like in an alternate reality you know buckaroo bonsai won the won the 80s war of film movies and (laughs) we'd be celebrating the seventh buckaroo bonsai movie coming out right now so Uh, all right well with that uh i would like i guess we will first with that i would like to say thank you to our patreon supporters uh, thank you very much for any contribution that you have given us. Uh, Benjamin, John, Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, Micah, and Jacob Verma. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing What's anyone's that? name. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's, you, whatever that's, you that's say is, second. I'll go yeah. with it. If yeah. I mispronounce your name, email us and tell me how to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> but if, if Chase pronounces your name, then he'll definitely be mispronounced. Verm? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, join us next week on December 31st. We will be closing out both the year and the Fellowship of the Ring by reading the very last chapter of the book. Wow. And our first Isn't and our first year that, doing a podcast, tiny. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good day or night or morning. And who are we? Oh, I'm. Are we not men? We are Diva. <laughs> <laughs> I am John. I'm, See, I've told you I'm super loopy right now. Yeah. John doesn't remember how to do things. I'm Katie. And I'm Kella Chase. <laughs> I'm going to stick All with right. that. Or Chase Aborn. No, Kella Ch- Chase, Chase is Aborn. better.
Oh my. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated. Thank you.